When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hello and welcome to In Universe, where we talk the ins and outs of our favorite fictional universes. I'm Adam. I'm Andrew. And today we are joined by Sans Pants' own resident dungeon master, Adam Carnavale. Hello, also Adam. That's me. <laughs> different Adams, as yeah. you yes, might different. know, dear listener. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mine's yeah. wrong. His is at Tom, like an Adam, and then yours is at Yours is the biblical Yeah, Adam. mine's... Mine's the just normal basic, one. Yours boring is the good one. Yeah, yeah, sure. The good one, yeah. <laughs> well, there's good and bad Adams. Yeah, absolutely. There's, yeah, there's black Adam. Adam now as well. Yes, he's changing That's... the hierarchy of being an Adam. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There's also Adam Smasher in that movie several atoms but that's so many that's atoms. also adam and atom yeah it's weird <laughs> abundance of them too many to be frank yeah, it's gonna turn yeah. into a jet lee's the one situation is what's gonna develop <laughs> oh, there no. that's what's happening oh, you stepped into a landmine my friend oh, no. i love jet lee's the one it's a film I, yeah. I i can't get enough of uh and it's a film Andrew's never seen and refuses to. I don't refuse to see it. I just don't have the time to see it. You definitely have the time to Who has a couple of hours? That's so long. That's like a million hours. I don't think it's more than one. I think it's like 130. That's like Lord of the Rings marathon level. That's what that is, that one movie. Yeah. I, I could be doing seven other things instead. You're committing and, to a full weekend because, yeah, sure, the movie itself is but maybe yeah, only go a couple hours. Or you gotta, you gotta read the wiki. Well, you gotta, you gotta one? account for all the time you're gonna spend thinking about it. You know, oh, you can't yeah. listening oh, to if, all the new metal songs on the playlist. Yeah. If it's anything like Adam's experience, um, that's just my whole life and personality from then on out. After I watched that movie, yeah. that's almost exclusively like what I talk about. It's a great movie. It's it's really <laughs> fun. The effects hold up pretty well. Um, Jason Statham is a re- in a really early role. Okay, this isn't the one episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, in fact, this episode uh, is going to be sort of a a piece in our our D and D repertoire. We are going to be talking D and D, kind of. In general, um, I think we had talked, me and Andrew, previously about this one maybe being fun to do, sort of a comparison between homebrew, which is something we do quite a bit, Mm -hmm. um, and then you do as well, and module work. Yeah, well, Uh I just uh, started modules uh, because we just recently moved over from Pathfinder to D&D, so uh with Pathfinder one or two? One. We we started in one right when they switched to two. Uh, and then yeah. we decided to switch to D and D. Not right when they switched. But pretty. We started yeah. around when Starfinder came out. Um, Starfinder for Pathfinder. Yes. Yeah. They, they I'm are, not very familiar with that one. Yeah, it's kind of like a spinoff game. It's like Pathfinder, but with sci-fi settings, yeah. basically. Um, that makes yeah. sense. Like Spelljammer equivalent. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's yeah. Almost yeah. Sure, exactly sure, sure. Um, so. Uh, Right when that came out uh, a couple of years ago, we just started getting into role-playing games. And um, we did Pathfinder for a couple of reasons. Um, yeah. For one, uh, my 
parents bought into the whole satanic panic thing. So uh-huh. buying a bunch of books that said little, Dungeons uh, and Dragons. They're a little late to that party. Yeah, also. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's well, kind they, of came and went in like the 80s. Yeah, they were they were a part of it when it was around. So like when I got into it now, it was sort of like they grew up learning, oh, that's demon stuff. Sure. Um, so um, for one, I couldn't buy, uh, uh, I, I couldn't bring home all the Dungeons and Dragons stuff. Or they would and also, also, I was like, well, this core rule book is one book. And for hmm. Dungeons and Dragons, I have to buy these three books to get into it. Yeah. So I was just It was like, just more economical. Yeah, yeah. So we started with Pathfinder. Yeah. Um, and then um, we're creatures of habit. So we sticked with it for a while. I'm um, resistant to change. Yeah, it's been noted. <laughs> um, and then when Pathfinder 2E came out and then all this stuff, like they, they kind of basically dropped all the stuff they were making for 1E and everything. I'm mm. like, oh, I want like new material to work it with. I want like new like options and stuff. So like I suggested, oh, let's just try out D&D uh, for a bit. And then if we don't like it, we could stick with uh pathfinder um and then we started with D and liked it quite a bit yeah i'm, I'm quite enjoying my my foray i'm, glad. I'm um, glad to hear that so yeah we've kind of just switched over wholeheartedly yeah. at this point which is yeah. funny because like a week later they announced one D uh and yes <laughs> oh so this is a new switch for you this is, is very yeah, new this is ah. we've been playing D D for maybe two and a half months at this point wow yeah super new oh that's interesting uh but yeah we're really enjoying it i really like it um specifically for because i like homebrew stuff i like Mm. making stuff up for the games and with pathfinder you could get you make a lot of the building blocks like sort of separately um and then you can like combine those together in cool ways but with D&D, it's just, oh, I can make a whole subclass just wholesale like that and yeah. flavor it however I want right. and build the utility for it. And so it's just like I've done more home brewing like in the past two months than I have for like almost most of the time we played Pathfinder. Yeah, 5e is really good for that. It's very, uh, uh, the way that it's designed, it's very easy to to plug things out of or to pull sing things out and plug other things in mm-hmm. which is really nice yeah which obviously compares to like earlier editions of 3.5 and also pathfinder where i mean they still supplied you with the rules but it was a lot more yet to know the mathematics of mm-hmm. it a lot more yeah and, and everything's slightly more granular whereas with D mm. character classes there's your class what that gives you and then your subclass Whereas with yeah. Pathfinder, your class is basically it. You could go the whole way without ever getting an archetype. Yeah. Which means to make an archetype, the actual nitty gritty of how to balance that with the rest of the class is much more difficult. Yeah. In my experience. No. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, speaking on like the homebrew stuff uh, and moving over, that was one thing I started to get into because with Pathfinder, there wasn't really any, like they have, they called them adventure paths and that, and mm. they have some pretty big ones. Like, I think the biggest one is like rise of Rune Lords or something. Um, yeah. I, I bought like the book of it and like opened it maybe once and like used the starting town that it starts in. And then it was like, okay, I, I, like immediately it went off the rails from it. And I sort of just started doing my own thing from then on. Yeah. Um, Never really touched that, uh, but when um, the when we moved over to D and was looking at all these modules and like oh, I like to listen to like actual plays like your show D and D is for nerds. Plug early. <laughs> why would you Why would you hurt yourself like that? Don't do that. Well, um, that was uh, I do believe the first actual play I ever listened to. Yeah, um, there's that one, and then I listened to a lot of like uh, Adventure Zone and some of. Um, dimension 20 uh mm. and a lot of those like the modules will pop up like you've done a bunch of the stuff like that in your show yeah um and like i was like oh man i i really want to do those adventures so pretty recently i went on a kick for like which ones like i like i went and bought a bunch of the books but which ones i really want to do um mm-hmm. we talked about we're trying to get an actual play going with our friends where um, I got yeah. Curse of Strahd for that. 
Um, mm, yeah, I'm running through Curse of Strahd right now. Well, uh, like a heavily modified Curse of Strahd. Mm-hmm. I, I tore so much out of that module. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Which but, I think is pretty close to your plan as well to, um, to add a lot of stuff. Yeah, uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff I want to like add like not like add to it but kind of swap out put my own flavor kind of thing um but there's so much just good stuff already in that book that like yeah i'm like i don't need to do that that much like um one thing i like that which one of my problems with modules was like oh it seems too restrictive on like you got to take your like following that straight line that railroad kind of thing but Mm. um with Curse of Strahd, that didn't really seem like a problem at all, because it was like, it's like a sandbox, basically, like, oh, here's, like, the four things you need to get done, um, and then once you get those done, you could do whatever you want, and then whenever you feel like you're done, go kill the big vampire. Yeah, Curse um, of Strahd's kind of really good for speed running, if you will. Mm-hmm. You, you can kind of just, like, hop your way up along the side of the mountain or whatever glitch through a wall and you just <laughs> almost immediately find if no you know what you're doing you can find percent. yeah Strahd. find um, Strahd, just uh uh yeah um uh, damage fill, boost fill him into death or something yeah. <laughs> there's no yeah technically i mean like obviously doing all of the side adventure stuff levels characters up and gives you items and Mm -hmm. information helpful to defeating strad but he's kind of just always lurking in that castle and you if you know what you're doing can just go get him at level god only knows level three or one (laughs) if you feel so bold yeah (laughs) um yeah uh so like that's like really great for that uh, one thing I was like worried about was finding a balance of like how much for one I'm worried about adding things in because it's already pretty packed and for two mm. the stuff it does have I kind of like am excited for like all of it there's so many just oh, creepy encounters yeah it's the kind of, of thing where you're just gonna throw every single encounter you possibly can at us yeah because all of them are like so interesting like and then there's yeah. just like weird stuff like oh what's this random bundle of clothes doing on the side of the road and then like yeah. you get people be like okay i guess we got to investigate this for the next four hours when you're like i rolled that randomly i don't know i don't yeah. know if it was going to be that important Presumably. i remember that being actually quite bothersome i think this will be the <laughs> third time that we're doing curse of stride now because we did a run-up that didn't get released mm-hmm. and we weren't very happy with the characters or the content and then we did a second one which we did release that we shouldn't have released because it was similarly <laughs> bad. And now we're doing a, a third one. But on the first and second one, I remember getting that random encounter and thinking, I mean, it's kind of, when you understand what it means, it's a little spooky, mm-hmm. but it's, it's kind it's, of just, there's confused. nothing. Yeah. There's nothing much to it. It's kind of boring. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah Uh, yeah there's a lot of that kind of in there too where it's like if it seems like it should be like a bigger plot than it is Mm. um but uh yeah i'm i'm excited to do that i don't want to talk about it too much because adam's gonna (laughs) yeah i'll be playing within it and Um, if i get i'm not trying not to give you any spoilers yeah yeah, i wish there were more weather effects there would be weather effects yeah um there was oh it's not weather effects but um there's this uh third party thing i think it's called like night fell or something like that yeah or um it takes the phases of the moon into effect of like how everything works and i was like oh maybe that would seem like so cool to implement into curse of strahd if i could figure it out but it also seems like it would be a lot too Um, yeah then you're kind of getting into that what is it like the fallout pen and paper system where it's like what what level is the sun at yeah what's the wind like and do you have a rock in your shoe Um, don't get me started on the fallout pen and paper i i really like fallout and for a while we did sort of a really homebrewed fallout like game Mm. um and it was fun and so i I looked oh well maybe i want to do the actual system but i just couldn't it's it's too much you need Mm -hmm. like so much math for it to work at all 
Uh, I did have one question about you doing Barovia and not spoiling. That's kind of the point sure. of it. Uh, you, as your players have done parts of Barovia before, do you find that's like really much of a problem in running it again? Does their knowledge of Barovia hamper it in any way? Uh, it hasn't so far. So they, they have known, well, I see here's the trick. You can use that against them. Mm-hmm. so i've got a few situations prepared and also a few situations have already happened where they've kind of known what to expect and i've played with those expectations and i uh, plan to play that's with pretty, those expectations that, that's yeah a good move yeah um uh yeah uh what was i gonna say right now i don't know never never mind i guess <laughs> um yeah as to kind of switch gears a little bit, I don't do any module work. I, I find sure. I find using modules really stifles me in trying to like run a game. Sure. Uh, so I, I kind of exclusively homebrew. So I have my homebrew setting, and then I just write adventures from scratch. And I find that mm-hmm. there are problems with that in and of itself. In that it's hard to know what to actually write. At least for me. I tend to mm-hmm. work with the NPCs that you can encounter, sort of the locations, but none of the actual encounter work of like combat. I kind of let that find mm-hmm. itself when you're playing. And I don't know sure. if I'm necessarily super happy with that. Do you have any sort of tips for that kind of thing? Uh, it's it's hard to give advice on this sort of stuff because it varies on the players mm-hmm. and the dungeon master. But it's like some broad sort of stuff. If you're finding something dissatisfying in a game and it's something to do with a, a, like a, a lack of... Or, or if you find that you... If you think that more preparation could help you, but you don't have that time for preparation, that's kind of where that pre-built stuff can be right. really helpful. Yeah. So like, the, like you were talking about before, the, the, that plug-in thing that uh, gives you cycles stages of the moon mm-hmm. uh, and and different effects for that it can be really helpful to so long as they've laid it out right if they've got just tables that you can look at and roll then it doesn't really add that much you just need to know an extra thing but knowing an extra thing isn't that hard yeah. <laughs> you don't need to preparing an extra thing is hard but knowing, knowing where to look thing at another is, thing yeah, yeah. I get that. That's fair. That's one thing yeah. in uh, modules, which before when I thought I wasn't going to be like into the adventure as a whole, I was like, oh, but I could take like a lot of the encounters and stuff they have prepped and like plug those in where yeah. I need to. Um, I found one like that uh, that was seemed like it would be really good for that before I decide just to run the adventure is um mm. water deep dragon heist mm. because mm. that one too is very sandbox like or um at least chapter two in that is um where it's like oh here's a bunch of adventure ideas here's a bunch of npcs and like stuff here's like stuff to make your city the city like feel more alive i was like oh i could just use that um and then like not even have to worry about like the actual dragon heist part yeah of it. Um, and then when I bought the book and I read it, I'm like, actually, this sounds a lot of fun. I, I just want to do the dragon heist. Uh, for sure, it. yeah. Currently, we are playing that game. Yeah, uh, we, we, I'm running it for a couple of them. Uh, they only done like two sessions in it so far, um, but they like just got their hands on the Troll Skull Manor. Um, oh, yeah. Or like the home base for them. And then um, I'm also incorporating um, the book Acquisitions Incorporated um, because they have like, for one, they have like the adventure party, like positions, like the jobs they could each have. Um, Mm -hmm. And I thought that'd be fun for them to use. But they also have like some rule sets for, oh, if you have like a headquarters or whatever, you can do this kind of stuff with it. I'm like, oh, I could just turn Troll Skull Manor into that headquarters for them. Um, so I've been sort of mixing those two books. Yeah. 
There's a lot of good stuff in in the original, not original, sorry, in 3.5, the other edition of D&D that I know very well. There's a lot of great stuff in the, a lot of resources in the Dungeon Master's Guide mm-hmm. around players acquiring a home base and then different things you can do with that. Uh, but for 5th Ed, there's, yeah, you need to go third party to find that sort of stuff. But one that I really like is I read Strongholds and Followers. Oh yeah, I just bought that, the PDF. Yeah. I haven't read it yet. But I was I needed one for like a headquarters type thing, and mm. um, I looked online see what people like, and people all said strongholds and followers was a really good one for um, fifth ed. Yeah, I I read through it. I absolutely adored it. I uh, will. Well, here, here here's where uh, you know the your own spin comes in on it. Like I loved a lot of things on it, but some things I was either like. Oh, this is too rules heavy for the sort of mm-hmm. game I want to run, or this is too limiting for the game I want to run. So, you know, you I I took some ideas, I've changed some things around, and I'm making preparation for a future game. But it's good, it's helpful to have that basis. So I'm mm-hmm. not working from yeah. zero it, when I'm building this. You I've get got that some sort of idea. First step in. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a lot of what I find when I'm like grabbing stuff from books, is mm. like I'm not taking it all from like copy paste really but yeah, I, wholesale it, right. it's so helpful like to have like some foundation to build off of. yeah i, I yeah. recently discovered that when i'm in a game where i'm running it for a few people and they are obsessed with skinning and taking pieces of the monsters they fight mm-hmm. they, they love the idea of that um and as far as i could find there's no real like official rules for doing anything like no no um and so originally i was just gonna make it up myself but it it got to be a pretty daunting task with the amount of creatures Mm -hmm. that are in Mm -hmm. D. uh and so i found a few resources i think it's like three to four books called um like monster slayer or something like that on dm's guild which are third party and for every single monster including the humanoid ones which is weird they have Mm -hmm. what you could be reasonably certain to find that's so if you were to gut them and pull things out yeah like vials of cockatrice venom to turn people to stone or Mm -hmm. for like orcs it's just like a broken sword yeah i i want to play that uh would you haven't run it for me or any of like our close group or whatever i want to play that so bad because um that sounds so fun and uh, compared the, to the whole like oh monsters have a sack of gold yeah, yeah. type mm, deal, deal it sounds way more interesting to do something like that where it's like oh so everything every like encounter can get you something unique and- right right something that you might want to use mm-hmm um, like I think my favorite so far because it's it's very Hercules is one of my players is a Tempest Domain cleric so very mm-hmm. lightning themed and they killed a fleece mane lion which is like a golden lion kind of thing turned sure. it into a cape and now he can use the lion's special ability of spell turning um, much less like uh, the lion itself is really good at it so as, as long as it passes the save you take the effect instead of it but i just made it act like a ring of spell turning Mm. which that only happens on a critical success that's cool sure that's cool that's like yeah very very interesting unique the player will remember that obviously that's yeah that's a great idea yeah i'm I'm a big fan especially it's his first time ever playing DD. so i'm I'm really trying to pull out all the stops oh yeah and make it a fun time (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah but DD always used to be about the the magical items that you would acquire right. as well. So like in earlier editions of D&D, your experience total was tied to how much gold you acquired, not really the monsters that you slayed. So that for earlier editions of D&D kind of formed a basis of magical items being very integral, integral, mm-hmm. important to your character's <laughs> progression and power level like in like in early editions like fourth edition 3.5 3.0 these editions of D the difficulty the challenge rating of monsters assumed you had a certain level of magical items to overcome resistances right, and aid right. in your own abilities um uh, yeah with a I, lot of I'm, monsters that just yeah. have immunity if you don't have a magical weapon pretty much yeah 
Uh, and I, I th- I'm sure Pathfinder is very similar. I don't know Pathfinder as well, but I think mm-hmm. I, it, I think it's not dissimilar. No, it, it is. It is quite similar. I would say. Yeah. It's um, uh, to 3.5. It's kind of like mm. the Mister Pib to the 3.5 yeah, yeah. Doctor Pepper. Sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that, I'm sure that tracks. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, in Pathfinder, from what I know of, and I, I played quite a bit of Pathfinder, it's much more effect based as in you could take any weapon throw on a few magical qualities to it Mm. and then you could kind of mix and match in a way that is fun in the moment but when you like actually stop to think about it is really weird Mm -hmm. like you'll have like uh an axiomatic so that it does extra damage to chaotic creatures but like you could also have it anarchic so that it did damage to lawful creatures so it's just like okay yeah it's as long as it's fun yeah look I, i'm sure it was um i never really got too far into it just because it, it got to be too much to really remember yeah um, I, 3.5 does exactly the same thing like literally the thing that you yeah. just listed is a feature in 3.5 right. as well and i think that kind of caused a like a magical items to forgive the near pun magical items to kind of feel mundane because <laughs> yeah no i, I understand yeah. that you wouldn't have like you would have oh my sword is a plus one sword that does like you said an extra d6 to chaotic and an extra d6 to lawful enemies and you'd be like yeah it's a plus one ax- a chromiomatic axiomatic i forget the terms but <laughs> long sword and then in by fifth edition they're like no you don't have any plus one flaming burst long swords you don't have any plus two vorpal flaming long swords or great axes or whatever this is bone splitter this right. is yeah blood drinker this Black is razor and yeah every magical item now is named and feels important mm-hmm. uh, they lose obviously like you you've you, you're taking a step out of the roots of D, but that's kind of a good thing sometimes to I, mix and match to yeah, change I, things up I'd agree. Uh, Although I do find it hard to just lay those into a homebrew setting wholesale mm. without quite a bit of retrofitting. Like taking, yeah. say, Black Razor, if you don't have the Raven Queen in mm. your setting, mm. you got to figure out some other reason why that thing's like that. Well, and there's there again comes in where homebrew stuff is great. There's millions, yeah. billions, perhaps more than the grains of sand <laughs> on the beaches of Earth number of documents and and uh, and books out there of people making their own lists of magical arms Mm -hmm. and armor which i think is fun although i will say the sort of again for to use your oxymoronic pun the mundane magical item has fallen Mm. quite out of favor the the plus three longsword is just a plus three longsword there's uh what is it swords of warning and the one of them, I forget which one is cursed, so it sounds cool, but it's really not. Mm-hmm. Like a sort of vengeance or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where it's like, you want to be able to hand out a magic item, say, as just like a random, you rolled for it, yeah. you get a magic item, not necessarily integral to the story. And it's like, yeah, but this one's lame. <laughs> Give me a good one. Yeah, absolutely. You want a magical item to have a story to it. Mm-hmm. And it used to be that the story was, something like you know i i used to be something like oh i killed the lion and then in its horde i found this sword and right. they, you know you can have cool stories revolving around that but it got I, it felt like it got to a point where it you were like well i've killed so many lions and i've gotten so many swords <laughs> yeah. none of them are important anymore so uh, but then the problem was for me at least it felt like D went too far in the opposite direction where you were like, I've killed a million lions and I have never encountered a sword ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you yeah, want to find that middle ground there. Mm. You know, the the lion or the wolves, they might not have a pouch full of gold, but they killed the guy and drug him to their den and he does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, uh, which is why I, I liked that story you were telling just before about the getting the lion's pelt, making that into like mm-hmm. a cloak. That was cool. There's a story to that. And it's an interesting item. I'm sure the player has found it very helpful. It's good. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's he's quite enamored by it. And then mm. uh, his compatriot, the other player, happens to be my girlfriend. Um, mm. And uh, she thought she was going to do very, something very similar when she killed like a giant crocodile and took its hide to turn into it. 
and mm. um i gave her slightly better armor because <laughs> it was just a regular big crocodile it wasn't like yeah a, like a mythical magical crocodile yeah that's all right um the one thing i like about the having like the big name and the like uh or one thing i find i, I say having like the big name magic item and like the like normal magic items and stuff is you feel like if everything's what the fuck have i tried so you feel like if everything's kind of recognizable and everything they'll get more excited about it but then you also have like when it's like a personal thing like that it feels like when you're playing the game and you're like, oh, I found the hand of Vecna. That's like a really cool, oh, if that's you a know who Vecna is. recognizable yeah. Yeah. thing. Yeah. But when you're, you also want, like with you, where that cape where it's like, oh, that's a very personal magic. Right, right. If, say thing. in the future, this character does his duty, dies heroically. Mm -hmm. Now I can take that lion cloak of um, Lucius, the character's name. Yeah. And I can have that. Somebody else could find that. That's yeah, now its own I, I magic item. I think that's lighting. so cool. That's my mm. favorite way of doing things. That's why what I do uh, for, it's what I did for Pathfinder um, where in my Pathfinder world, I sort of built my whole world and then took their setting, Galarian, and just put it as like a continent in the world. Um, but uh, so I take like the settings that they have and put it somewhere sort of in expand around it. Uh, I was going to do yeah. the same theme for D&D, &D, but what I decided to do instead with D&D &D was take all the big locations in D&D, &D, break them up, and spread them around my world. And that gives me the opportunity to have both the recognizable, like, um, you know, you, uh, I, I'm items. in Waterdeep. Yeah, with you're the in. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Dragons. water deep and there you could find the stone of galore and everything but also you like kill a goblin and get a shrunken little goblin head necklace that tells you riddles Secrets. and gives you advantage yeah. or whatever yeah useless magic items are a great way to satiate players who want stuff mm -hmm. but 
do you mm. want to unbalance the game like like a goblin head that just tells you riddles that's great they'll yeah, love that yeah and it doesn't help them anyway no or uh, a small skull on their head of an undead who just talks shit that's great i know? think xanathar's guide to everything introduced a bunch of magical items on that sort of level mm. like robes that billow black smoke that doesn't really <laughs> do anything like a helmet that makes your eyes glow red. Nothing really <laughs> of consequence. Through the thaumaturgy spell. Yeah, I think there's also one of my favorite items. I think it's very funny. Wand of Smiles, which acts as a regular wand. It's got like a D10 charges or whatever. And when you use it on someone, they need to pass like a DC 13 charisma saving throw or they smile. <laughs> and then if all of its charges are exp it gets so many charges back a day done, and if yeah. all of its charges are expended it has a chance to become the wand of frowns instead <laughs> which i think is just very funny yeah that, that's great yeah see it, yeah. It, you have you say the idea of oh giving them useless like magic items that's not something you need to worry about but i could very like someone's gonna find how to use that <laughs> wand of smiles to just derail everything yeah, yeah. You, you got going go to a powerful king's funeral and make everybody smile <laughs> yeah and just ruin get somebody like someone important executed because they smiled at the wrong time <laughs> but so and you're like yeah well i guess i didn't see that coming but like at that point they earned it yeah they no they me. earned it yeah. i'm not saying it's a bad thing sure. i'm just i'm just saying like I don't think there is ever a useless item. In yeah, I suppose that's fair. A clever enough person will find a use for basically anything. If they're dedicated enough and willing to slam their heads against the yeah. brick wall for long enough, it'll be useful, yeah. <laughs> Trial and error is enough. I suppose Suppose the problem is they'll have to face consequences along the way. Oh, yeah, there's, there's nothing more joyful than throwing consequences mm. at people. <laughs> um so do you, when you write your own adventures for say dnd is for nerds do you find yourself referencing a lot of like campaign modules just to see like encounter balance or anything like that or i uh, well it's hard to test encounters because mm -hmm. i without getting actual players i don't know exactly yeah it's, right it, yeah, yeah, yeah a it's finicky system anyway yeah, uh, uh, without getting like a carbon copy of, say, for example, Zamet and Jackson's characters and then playing them somehow the exact way they would, right. uh, it can be hard and then dice can fall many different ways. Oh, but yeah. I, I kind of find typically I'll balance encounters as they go. So a few easy things are like hit points. A mm -hmm. monster has, like when you're looking at the D&D stat block and it'll give you say it gives you a uh, 4d8 and then it has that amount next to it that mm -hmm. is the average amount i consider that monster to have as many hit points as that allows it or as few hit points as that as allows, that allows it. it kind of on the not really Depending on the on fly the but going, yeah yeah if if an encounter is especially easy that's uh sorry if an encounter is especially easy or hard that's a very easy thing to ratchet up or down it's the most boring way of mm -hmm. doing it but it is absolutely a way of doing it. Yeah, and then people love a, just a damage sponge monster. Yeah, yeah, it's not as interesting. Uh, but I'll always, if I know a fight is going to be, because it's easy fights, I know are going to be easy. I can always predict a fight's mm -hmm. going to be easy ahead of time. But a hard fight, I can never really, I don't think you can ever really know how hard a fight is going to be until, until the players happening. are there. Yeah. yeah. So I try to make sure for harder fights i've always got some plan for what happens if mm -hmm. so if the players start struggling what's my plan there if the players fail what's my plan there and it's always mm -hmm. kind of trying to i never want the i never want to make the players feel like they got away with something they shouldn't have yeah. so i always try to make sure part of that equation is always making sure should they fail or should they start struggling that there are consequences Do they feel mm. admonished yeah um, so they yeah no go on no uh, yeah i was going to just agree i one i've been trying to work on uh for my own play style is letting players fall fail forward even yeah, if they do forward. fail 
Um, yeah. A recent one I did had players going against just like a bandit gang, basically. Um, and they lost that fight, even though they were very cocky in it. Um, and instead of just having them kill them outright, they got taken, you know, to a, a boat shack and, and tortured to see, like, why didn't you just pay the toll road? That kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. That, that got them closer to their goal of finding the leader of this mm-hmm. bandit gang because they came in and talked to them kind of thing. Sure. Um, it's, it's, it, but it is difficult for me. I don't find myself naturally wanting to do that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I more lean on that side of things where um, if like I find a fight is like hard or easy for when I'm like running for players or whatever, mostly hard, I guess, because there's it, people, they do it easy fight. It's like, oh, try oh well, yeah, better luck <laughs> next time. They won, mm. good for them. Uh, but like harder fights yeah instead of like doing like oh i'm gonna make the like this fight easier or whatever um i try to do a lot more of that like oh yeah you failed like you lost a fight but Mm -hmm. there's this like kind of kind of like an emotional band-aid for them at times (laughs) Um, yeah i'm usually never trying to usually never i guess trying to outright kill their characters but like i want death to feel like it's a possibility yeah like, i mean that's the like, that's the dm's dilemma yeah kind of thing. You, you always want death to to loom over but you rarely want to actually hit anybody with it because mm-hmm. that makes the game less fun sometimes I'm, I'm i have a hard time understand like keeping that in mind because in my head a lot of time sometimes that'll happen and sometimes they'll make the game more fun or you're like hey i remember that time i died in that stupid yeah, way yeah, but um yeah. but yeah but just getting stabbed to death by a goblin yeah in the middle of a fight if, if you're playing the game as a player and you have this idea of your own heroic fantasy in your head mm-hmm. slipping down the stairs and breaking your neck probably isn't how you thought it would go mm-hmm. that that is one thing i have been trying to work more on is if they do die how do I make this death meaningful? And I've had a really hard time trying to conceptualize how would I do that in like random, not yeah, random not encounters, like planned just like deaths. can't, yeah. Um, that's something I face a lot of trouble with. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I find that it really depends for me. So some games, I, I never make a game more lethal or less lethal no matter what like the game is always mm-hmm. the game i planned and i'm mm-hmm. never i'm never out there trying to kill players but i'm always i've always got that idea of yeah consequences dangling over them and some games i will uh, some games i will have the idea that lethality could just be around the next corner if the players aren't aren't watching what's happening but some games will be more narratively focused than those narratively focused games. I've always got the idea that every encounter is going to be kind of appropriate. Mm-hmm. For right. It's not like I'm trying to pull my punches. I just know because with the narr- so the, I, I guess ultimately what this comes down to is a sandbox versus a narrative focused game. And with a sandbox game, I've populated the world with whatever it's going to have at all times. So that dr- the dragon is always going to be in this this hole or whatever, this dungeon, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. And the players can kind of stumble upon this dragon at any time. They will eventually be level appropriate, but they're not (laughs) always going to be level appropriate. But the dragon's always going to be there. So they could always step into its lair. Whereas something more narratively focused, there's not really a lot of options. The reason why a narrative game is less likely to kill the player is because it's, yeah, it's not a big wide world. You could go to that dungeon, meet that dragon at any point. You're only going to find that dragon when it is level appropriate, basically, because the story, yeah, the story has led you there. Right. Mm -hmm. This is a climactic moment of battling the dragon. That's not very climactic if he just sneezes and you're dead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because obviously, like the dragon there are dragons in the world yeah. of course but it's, half it's of the not it's not fun if you if the dragon is spawn camping you basically <laughs> you want you want to give the players the opportunity to not encounter the dragon in a sandbox mm-hmm. type of game yeah and in a narrative game you want the players to feel like oh we were appropriately leveled for this encounter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that's one thing i always got to worry about 
um, when I do like the more sandboxy areas and stuff like um, uh, I'm doing water deep right now. And that yeah. is a module, but it's very sandbox like, but um, yeah. there being so early on, uh, I got to have just uh, a lot of like, um, especially with one player who he's really curious about it. But just have an NPC every once in a while back. Hey, don't go down the yawning portal. <laughs> You're not ready for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to have those like warning danger signs when like, yeah, there's a dragon in there. But hopefully a townsperson knows and warns you, hey, there's a big dragon up in that gen. Yeah, yeah. It will kill you. Or, so maybe stay away from it for a while. Pull a Give the players kind of thing. Yeah, give the players all the information, and if they choose to fuck around, they can choose to find out. Yeah, I know, exactly. Or, or yeah. if, if you must, like, uh, say you're playing with a game with low-level characters, but you know later level they'll get more mobility options. Say a monk who can sure. move up walls and stuff as long as they land somewhere solid. Well, if you there's a place you don't want them to go until they're the level they get that, put it up high with no way up to get to until you can just run up the wall. Yeah, uh, but, like, people fine no way if know. if you, they'll see it as oh here's a puzzle i need to solve to get up this wall right now <laughs> and they'll get up that wall and, and, you and know, then they oh, yeah, find no. out it's hard theoretically possible but hard to design a metroidvania style DD adventure mm -hmm. the players are not gonna see it like that they're not gonna say no. oh i don't have the blue gun yet i can't go through the blue <laughs> portal they're gonna be like well that rock looks deliciously weak <laughs> yeah yeah Guess i'll I, mine my way in i have had that sort of situation happen where instead of taking it as oh i'm not ready for this they're like well i must be able to do it yeah you no, wouldn't have presented it if i wasn't yeah. allowed i know I, i've been a player in some of those situations where it's like it's in hindsight it was very obvious like oh he was dropping the bread clums to set up something later but it's like oh so that's important i gotta figure it out like right now <laughs> let me stop and let figure me, this let out let me solve this problem immediately <laughs> And then, like, I die or just get out by the skin of my teeth or whatever and be like, oh, yeah, no, that makes sense if I needed to do this <laughs> later on. Yeah, it's it's always a risk putting a very dangerous thing, even a sandbox, mm -hmm. putting a very dangerous thing next to the critical path. Mm -hmm. You, It's kind of inevitable that your players are going to want to go down, explore every room and whatnot. Very, very rarely do you get. I was thinking about that earlier today, actually. I was watching a scene from, do you remember the movie Titan AE? I do, yeah. So there's so. a scene, very classic scene. You'll find it in all sorts of media, but the characters are sitting in a bar and some an overwhelming force shows up and starts shooting at them and they need to escape and they have a chase scene where they're shooting at the enemy the enemy's shooting at them and they're just barely getting out of there and that is a situation that is so hard to do in DD or really mm -hmm. any role playing because the second combat starts for some reason players will never assume that escape is should be an yeah option. it's rare retreat is the yeah. tactic they're going to take um e even when they really should yeah <laughs> but like sometimes you've got too much pride to run away yeah I it's, it's it. the old if it has a stat block i can kill it <laughs> and sometimes the problem is as well like the players aren't the writer the singular writer for a story so the players need to have a discussion about it but the discussion's happening while combat is still ongoing right. so the party will be there they'll a conversation about we should leave one person will be like we should leave and they'll be like okay and then a few rounds will happen and then the ranger gets down and the <laughs> fighter is like we should leave and they're like yeah and then the wizard gets down and now oh no you're in a fail spiral the <laughs> fighter gets down the barbarian gets down now the entire party is dead yeah. you should have ran when you first said run <laughs> yeah i think i've yeah. only had that happen but once when when that was sort of appropriate um and it was because the person who wanted to fight went down and the other person just grabbed them and ran because they were a small race <laughs> yeah I've, I've had it happen a few beautiful times. The one time I remember as a player, it was great. I was doing I was doing a Pathfinder game. We were doing a massive dungeon called Rappen Atunk. And we had we were delving, we'd just gotten into the dungeon. We were doing just a little bit of dungeon delving. Hadn't gotten very far at this point. 
and we see this massive like trash slime creature start rolling down the halls towards us and one of us rolls to know what the creature is and the dungeon master is like oh you know i, f- I forget the name of the creature but he's like yeah, this yeah. is the name of the creature and here's some of its abilities and one of its abilities was resistance to damage slash uh slash epic <laughs> which i think we were level eight at the time and if anyone listening doesn't understand resistance to damage slash epic basically means, means you need an epic weapon mm-hmm. or to yeah be an you epic need to be level 20 yeah you need to be above. level 20 yeah. or above yeah so we we heard the dungeon master said slash epic and all five of us i think it was five of us yeah we're like well, see you later. <laughs> we'll find another entrance to this massive dungeon. Yeah, yeah. There's got to be another way in. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, I, I, I can, I'm guilty of the same thing. I've been a player before and not felt the need to retreat. You know, I've, I've been in situations where mm. I probably should have and been like, no, I'll be fine. I'm the main character. Yeah, well, yeah you know you're cool enough to handle the problem. Yeah. And yeah, I, I guess it's at least in the time the time that it has worked for me, I guess it has been really selling how big of a threat this really is before they've ever even entered combat. Because mm-hmm. at the time it was uh, they were fighting a monk um, way of the four elements who could like fly and shoot fire uh, and, and killed a, an NPC that had given them trouble prior. Uh, and they were like, oh, well, I, I'm not going to fight that guy. Mm-hmm. I just saw him kill that other guy who almost yeah. killed me i'm not gonna do that and yeah. then i turned invisible and ran <laughs> yeah that's pretty good um yeah one way uh that uh the the one thing that gives like a lot of those good moments is when you have um it's kind of outside of D unless you're playing with a bunch of D fans it's having like the recognizable threats yeah uh were like um we we play this game called uh we call it the cartoon game it's just like everything pop culture exists in this world and you know, like you could run into kirby and fred friendstone and everything mm. and using those threats where it's like uh something big like oh this is darth vader or it's like oh you just came across like the entrance to like cthulhu and you're like yeah um I know how bad that's yeah, supposed yeah. to be. Let me stay away from that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's one of the few games that I feel you really get that. Well, your player, like, because like in D&D, your player might know what this temple is related to, but like you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. they're not, they, they wouldn't necessarily be as afraid or in awe as maybe they should be. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the cartoon game we play, that can happen sort of organically without it being like, all right, well, roll the history. Oh, now you know you should be scared. Yeah, we're with d and that's one thing I like that there is the modules and stuff like that. Because then um, when you get that sort of community idea of like stuff in right, D&D, right. you could be like, oh, well, yeah, this is a big giant, six-headed dragon with different colored heads and you get the one or two people in the party being like oh yeah let's run (laughs) this is legitimately a god yeah this is a this is a evil dragon god we gotta fight um which i i wish there was more of those in D &D, because i could think of maybe like four of the recognizable like big threats like you got like yeah and it's because they're all on stranger things or whatever <laughs> yeah maybe yeah um but yeah you got like tiamat um vecna a tarask uh azarath maybe yeah what's the first one from the earlier seasons oh uh, the, demogorgon? the demogorgon yeah the demogorgon there, yeah. there's one yeah. a beholder maybe mm-hmm. that'll, sure. that'll get a, a rise out of a knowledgeable player i suppose yeah i did have a moment like that um for him and uh another player um or i it's the first time i use a beholder in a game where i kind of had this beholder that ran this group of bandits uh and whatnot and they had they like infiltrated the bandits and like let's go beat the boss and they go down to the beholder 
and uh, Adam, who was a druid, saw it was a beholder, and he's like, "Okay, I'm not winning this fight. How do I get to work for this beholder?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it might have been. It was either my personality trait or my flaw or something like that. But it was, um, I I'm happy to work for whoever is the most powerful around me. Sounds like a flaw. Yeah, it was probably. If I had to guess between personality trait and flaw, I'll switch sides to the bad guy. Probably a flaw. <laughs> <laughs> Look, um, I could see you thinking it's a personality trait, but it should be a flaw. Yeah, yeah I may have written it down as a personality trait, but it was probably a flaw. I'm happy to work for the bad guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, th- that kind of thing is really fun, and I remember that game. Uh, specifically because it was very fun because we got that sort of movie monster you don't know what it is yet because it was behind like a boarded up fence essentially Mm -hmm. and all we heard was it yelling out where are my men yeah and we were like Ah. i don't know if i want to go down there yet yeah they just heard a voice yelling out like to uh uh, that it can no longer see their men and stuff like that i I kept trying to drop like eye hints into it so like uh, oh i i get it it's a eye guy <laughs> it's a guy with more than one eye uh-huh but like once they like got down there and everything it was a very oh dang mm-hmm. this is kind of moment i know you guys usually do like full usually i think it's what three players in the dm that's your kind of main run typically through. yeah we've been playing around with some two players plus mm-hmm. dm sort of stuff and we are eventually looking into doing uh, four players plus DM. Ooh, Ooh that's spooky. But uh, yeah, for, for now, yeah, it's majority three players or two players in DM. Uh, yeah. I, I tend to do a lot of, well, it depends on when we're talking about, but recently I've been doing a lot of two people games. Yeah. Um, and in those, I find it difficult to sort of round out what a party in D&D might need. You know, it, sure. it's hard to have the, everything exploration tank healing etc in Mm. just two people um so i've been trying to find ways to sort of help with that Mm -hmm. um like uh i'm gonna i haven't done it yet um but luckily i know she doesn't listen to this podcast for a while until after it's been out so it'll probably happen before she listens to this um i plan to give uh one of my players an animated spell book uh, which it can kind of serve the function of like a really low level wizard to help out in some of those aspects. Some of those. That's cool. Aspects. Yes, all right. That, that would be like cool. a fun character. That would be cool if you got the. There's that product online. Oh, the animated spellbook. That's right. I yeah. Think, uh, or it's like uh, the deck of it's the the deck, deck of, of many. many things or something like that. The company, not the item. Yeah, I think it's just the deck of many. Yeah, yeah. Where they do the animated deck of many things. Kind deck of, thing. of many spells. I think the spell. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would be really but, fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just just some of those those things that you don't really necessarily think about when you're in the thick of it, but in a sandbox game like this one not having a wizard to cast like light can be a real problem as far as healing goes fifth ed's a lot better than earlier editions there's mm-hmm. a lot more options for re- well there's twice one might say the options for resting as in earlier editions of D, <laughs> and you get so many more hit points back mm-hmm. as well and there's Plus, there's more healing m- options for subclasses i would say like yeah even sorcerer and warlock mm. can get cleric spells if you pick a specific one mm-hmm. yeah 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 it's uh uh fifth ed is kind of really tried to pull away from the requirements mm-hmm. of earlier D games uh, editions with like a if you don't have a cleric you gotta fucking figure out some alternative because <laughs> you, you don't need have a cleric, a cleric. <laughs> shit out of luck i guess if yeah. you don't have a cleric you're not finishing this adventure <laughs> <laughs> so that's really that's been really helpful fifth ed is a lot more free-flowing Mm-hmm. Uh, especially for newer players it's really good for newer yeah players. that's that's what i've found a good bit because i started playing with uh some of my family and they've all never played before and um mm. i started when that's was... a incredible turnaround from being caught up in the satanic panic to joining <laughs> well, well, part it's, of the it's, family. it's it, their extended family oh okay yeah. okay um, but yeah, that's, but, um, I, I, I started when I first started with them, I started with Pathfinder, um, because that's what I knew. 
and they just it, it, couldn't yeah, get it's... it. Like they're they're like, you you just roll the dice for me and tell me if I pass or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I could do that for you. And then I pretty recently after that, I swapped over to D and D. And I was like, okay, all you need to know is what kind of thing you're doing and your proficiency bonus, and that's it. And like, it, yeah, it, they they took to it way quicker. Yeah, I, I think we mentioned this in maybe our first D and D episode, but Pathfinder is the amount of options within it is really nice when you know how the system works, mm-hmm. and really if you're the DM. Yeah, that's but, that's that's what I thought. Pathfinder is really good for the dm if you're the kind of dm that likes the customization thing because you have so many options to plug and play into each yeah other. right right um, but on the player front you can kind of get the the paralysis by too many options yeah but i think D is much better for the player especially new players um where you kind of have it's kind of an easy flowing game you kind of have like all your options laid out for mm-hmm. you right there um but yeah um i kind of coming around more on the other side now that i found like there's so many third party stuff or like just mm. like reputable homebrew right. like type things where it's like oh there's plenty of options that i'm not really gonna run yeah out. i i was afraid of the lack of options i'm putting in air quotes for the people sure. um i was afraid of that when i first started but seeing as how uh, it's super approachable and easy for me to homebrew the things I want to do, mm-hmm. I don't really feel that limit anymore yeah, because no, me too. if exactly. there is something I want, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't necessarily feel the same amount of freedom in Pathfinder if I wanted to do the exact same thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then I think we are just about out of time. Oh. Uh, so we will call it there. <laughs> yeah. <Fair enough. laughs> um, uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, it was, it was uh, very thank you for having me. Great to pick your brain you. about D and D and just talk about the the hobby we. Yeah, like. you have some. You had some actually very interesting ideas, um, that legitimately made me think and go, "Oh, that is that is pretty <laughs> cool." Well, um, I'm glad. I'm glad I was able to make you think. I like to. I like to say I like. To, I'm here to entertain, but I'm also here to make you think. <laughs> you're the yeah. thinking man's DM. <laughs> I am. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can point me on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess you'd be quoting him on that. But... <laughs> yeah, but haven't I given you a lot to think about? Yeah, so he Isn't deserves that, the quote. Yeah, he deserves yeah the I think I'll I... give it to him. If I if this is an exchange, and it is an exchange. Yeah, I... everything is transactional. I yeah, I'll be it. taking that quote. And I think whatever that picture is behind you, I'll have that as well. Thanks. Uh, the Spider-Man? Yeah, I want it. Okay, it's, yeah. That's mine. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a blow-up yeah. of amazing fantasy. The first one with Spider-Man in it. Heck yeah. I think that's a fair trade, to be honest. Um, yeah, I'll, you'll get it in the mail pretty soon here. Um, yeah, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but no, it was genuinely great having you here. Um, I, I think we did mention a couple times, but if you want to plug what you're in, let people know where you're from. <laughs> Uh, I can be found personally, if, you, if you're looking for me, more of my content, you can find me at Retro Archetype on pretty much any social media. I, though I am, yeah, uh, you can find Sense Pants Radio, uh, the, the podcasting, network, podcasting network I work for. If you head on over there, you go to the Podcast Adventures tab. It's got all of our D&D and all of our different role-playing sort of stuff. You throw a dot at that board, you'll hit probably inevitably something i'm in so yeah <laughs> yeah um i it didn't really come up because this was D based but uh, i'm a big fan of your world of darkness series uh for oh, thank you those are really fun uh it's a yeah. system i like but i've never really been able to get into so it's <laughs> it's a fun little window into what those kind of games would look like yeah absolutely um yeah well thank you very much i appreciate that always nice to hear that someone enjoyed something i made yeah <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, and if you want to say uh, something that you appreciate we made, dear listener, you can do so at our email at theatomicemail at gmail.com. Or our social media accounts like uh, Atomic Android 2020 on Instagram. Or at Atomic Androids on Twitter. Uh, thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week. Uh, goodbye. Bye. Feel free to say bye, Adam. 
sorry no <laughs> feel free to what feel free to feel say free bye, to but... say oh feel free to say bye yeah we're still recording right bye yeah. <laughs>